Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's time to talk about baseball. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Bally Sports National Major League Baseball writer David Brown. Dave, how's it going? Great, Andy. Thank you for having me on. It's going great. (laughs) Oh, it is. I mean, it's going fine. Fine. That's probably probably accurate. Yeah. I mean, you know, compared to some countries, it's going great. Yeah. So... So, um, we were going to try something different this week. Um, I actually like wrote down some topics <laughs> for the, might help, might help the, you, the home listener. Like what are they just going to ramble for an hour? We're going to ramble because that's what we do, but they're, uh, it's like a path. So it'd be great. And you don't know what right. any of them are. It's like a really big game show. You're, you're completely in the dark, literally and figuratively. Um, and I'm the only one who gets that joke because I'm the only one who can see it. Right. So I thought we would start with, uh, with my beloved Cubs, uh, the, uh, the hottest team in baseball, uh, with four wins. Let's, let's ignore the fact that they recently, um, lost 17 out of 20 games. We'll just pretend that that didn't happen. But uh, they've won three series in a row now. And how about this stat? As as we're recording right now, uh, we're heading into, I believe, the bottom of the eighth in the uh, the third game of the series with the Pirates. They have played, the, this is the ninth game that the Cubs and Pirates have played this year. There's going to be math involved in this, so hold on to your butt. The, the first eight games, both teams have won four times. Mm. Including tonight, the Cubs have outscored the Pirates Fifty-one to twenty-two. <laughs> it's sort of uh, it's you know if, if you like run differential, you don't want to talk about this. Now this is not the first time this has happened to the Pirates. It's happened rather famously once. They were outscored in a World Series, fifty-five to twenty-seven, and won the World Series. Was that the Orioles World Series? It was. Uh, not that one, but um, seventy-one. My, my, so that was 1960. That was the Bill Mazeroski oh, right. walk-off, where the Yankees would just obliterate them in their losses, and then they would squeak out wins in the wins. Um, but apparently, the they have played. They have played in five World Series. Or maybe they've played in seven and won five. Um, I believe in the World Series they've won. They have only outscored the opponents twice. It's like a thing. It's like a Pirates thing. 
they they let you just deluge them in the games they decide they're not going to try to win. If you're going to lose, I mean, you might as well go all out. Or this let big them game, play. big game going on on YouTube right now with the Cubs and the and the Pirates. Uh, third place in the NL Central is online. Cubs passed the Pirates yesterday, but they're only a half game up, so they'll slip back down. Um, the <coughs> the loser uh, will have the fourth worst record in the National League. But we talked about him last week. And I'm going to talk about him again because it's something Rick Sutcliffe talked about uh, over the weekend. He did he did both series last week um, for the Cubs. Sorry, that's right. I'm watch and listen at the same time. And it, um, the Cubs were um, Cubs were beating the Diamondbacks, and Rick was getting pretty giddy. And he made a prediction that the Cubs were going to be buyers at the trade deadline. He said that. Huh? He said that. And he even went as far as to say, this is not unlike. Uh, remember in 2016 when they traded for Aroldis Chapman and they were able to do it because they had Glaber Torres? Now they got a whole system full of Glaber Torreses and they can get whatever they need. I don't, I was worried. Um, I don't know who, is there a hotline that you call when you think someone on television is having an aneurysm? I don't know. I mean, you know, Rick's had some interesting, as we've, I'm sure, talked about <laughs> moments in the booth in his life. Yeah. It's a it weird. doesn't. It doesn't seem like they. I mean, they they do. I mean, they have. I mean, they're not going to trade Brennan Davis, you know, or somebody like that. I don't. I don't think they have a whole bunch of Glabers. I, I really don't. Well, it was funny. I was. I was thinking, what would they like? What trades would they need to make to actually become a contender? And they need to, they seriously would need to add like a dozen frontline players. <laughs> a dozen. A dozen. Because this is a team that really is, is Saya and uh, not much else. Um, they do have some parts. They're clearly going to be sellers. I mean, that's the whole plan. And um, Jed Hoyer was on. Uh, the score in Chicago to today. And they were asking him stuff about, you know, Wilson Contreras is having an excellent season. And, um, you know, Ooh, are we going to try to, how come you're not trying to sign a contract extension? He's like, well, you know, Wilson doesn't want to talk about one during the season. <laughs> and, you know, I don't, I don't want to talk about it either. And it's basically, no, we're not going to, we're not re-signing the 30 year old catcher. As good as he might be, we think he's worth more to us and what we can get for him than, with him. And, uh, you know, I don't know. My take on this has always been that if you're going to sign an older catcher, Wilson's not a bad guy to do it with because he didn't become a catcher until, you know, fairly recently. Like, yeah, he doesn't have the old achy knees. Right. Now, uh, both Joe and David Ross over the last few seasons have been, uh, giving him the Randy Hundley treatment and basically making him catch every day. So maybe they're trying to catch up. But Wilson always strategically has a uh, hamstring pull every season that costs him like six weeks. So he gets to rest mm-hmm. his legs. In fact, he may just be faking. I don't think so. Um, but so I was thinking about this. 
it's always dangerous when I think about this stuff. And this is just not just apply to the Cubs. It would apply to any team that is like, man, we're not going to do anything this year. Um, when, when do you think the, like the earliest you can start selling players is? Because if I'm the Cubs, like David Robertson, who just came off, <coughs> off the COVID list, has been great for them. Right. And it's like, can we trade him before he's not great? Can we just hurry up and do it now? Yeah. You know, there's always been the thing, well, the earlier you trade for a guy, the more value you get out of him. Um, because you get him for longer. But then I suppose the other side of that is the more the other team expects to get from you and the cost may be more than you are willing to pay. Uh, but we typically don't, you don't really see much until like the all-star game seems like about the first time teams will make those kinds of deals. Right. Um, like the Cubs trading Jeff Smarja before the all-star game. And then poor Jeff had to wear the Craig Hodges, a non-denominational uniform and stand and wave at the camera. Cause he wasn't a national leaguer anymore and he couldn't play for the national league. Um, so I just wonder if you're Jed and you're like calling around going, Hey, look at these guys. Huh? Aren't they great? Well, they as we've talked on about, your team, as we've talked about in a different context, there have been, this has been sort of a year where there's been trades already. Mm-hmm. And it's not for this reason, but uh, perhaps the weirdness of the off season. And so that's the only thing, you know, is that moved things forward a little bit that, They've been talking trade. They've been executing trades. Will that make it easier to trade? Maybe. So, you know, I would say uh, maybe they want to sneak in before the All-Star game. So we're looking at instead of the 31st of July, maybe we're looking at the the 4th of July. Yeah. Um, Yeah, like the Giants and Mariners make a couple of trades a week just for the hell of it, it seems like. Well, Jerry Depoto, I think, is an addict. He likes to he likes the transactions. Yeah, apparently he's he a just, transactional. Apparently, Farhan will always answer, so they just <laughs> end up. It's very clear they're just like using each other to manipulate their forty man rosters. Right. Just like okay, I got a spot because we had to put this guy in the sixty day sixty day IL. I could park this guy over here for a while, and then in a couple of weeks we'll figure out what else we need, and we'll make another trade. All right. That's what Jed needs. Jed needs a trading buddy. I wonder who we could. I wonder who we could line him up with. with Theo, it was always just the Rangers. Yeah, just call the Rangers. Every you couldn't. The Cubs pitching staff was all former Rangers for a while. John Daniels sort of looks like he could be related to Theo. So. Yeah, it's like he little. He's called little. Theo's just calling his little brother. Johnny, do me a favor. He had some success with Rick Hahn. So, I mean, Wilson Contreras isn't really a match with the White Sox, but, you know, David Robertson could be. He's yeah, had those talks before. Right. He's already, you know, he knows the route to right. U.S. Comiscular, whatever it's called now, guaranteed That's it. rate. That is what it's called. U.S. Comiscular, yeah. Yeah, he's been there. He's, he knows where his locker is. That'd be good. I, I tra- having a catcher is a, is a pretty valuable thing to trade because there aren't a lot of good ones, and sometimes good ones get hurt. But knowing <laughs> yeah. the Cubs, the, they'll hang on to him just too long, and he'll be the one who gets hurt. 
and they won't be able to get anything for him. And then he'll give him the finger on his way out the door in uh, in early October. It'll be caught on CRT. The CRT. That's, is that crook? That's critical race theory. Yeah. So, yeah that, uh, well, he could be caught on that too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whatever those are, not remote control cameras. It doesn't matter. That is, it's fine. It doesn't matter. Security cameras. Sam before having a Sammy. Right. That's what I'm yeah, that's referencing. What yeah. Yes. Well, Sammy. Sammy wasn't giving anybody the finger though. Sammy was I mean, going. You know how Sammy got caught? I guarantee this is how Sammy got caught. Every camera he walked by, he had to stop and do them blow kisses to it on his way out. Right. It took him 20 minutes to get down the hallway. <laughs> like, is he still here? See you, buddy. <laughs> so Jed said, uh, I like the way he put this. He said, the Cubs will remain tethered to reality. In assessing wow. their competitive window. In other words, yeah, that was worse. It was as a word salad. It was. I know Rick thinks we're going to make the playoffs. We don't, and we're not going to. We're not going to make moves to try to be the seventh wild card team. Based on Sutcliffe's, when uh, we won't be anyway. And even if we were, let's get. What is the point of that? Um. One of the frustrations as a Cub fan, though, is this, the retooling. Yeah, not rebuilding, they're retooling. Um, is that there's just so much crap on this team. So much disinteresting. It's not going to be here, has no chance of being here when they're good stuff. Like, Anderson Simmons just finally got off the injured list. No Cub fan gives a shit about Anderson Simmons. I mean, it's yeah. fine that, unlike Il Demaro, uh, when a ground ball is hit to shortstop now, Someone will catch it. That's nice. But <laughs> what's, what's the point? Why do we have Why do we have him? What is it doing for us? Um, it's even even with the uh, the fantasy campers of first and third with Wisdom and, and Schwindel. It's like I, to me the the um, the surest sign that they're making progress will be when they they actually just send Frank away. And like, okay, we don't need we don't need you the sub replacement level first baseman hanging out on our team. So yesterday they had to call up, they had a flurry of uh, undesignated injured list placements because for right. some reason they can't tell you it's COVID. And they brought up two guys. They brought up uh, lefty reliever, Brandon Hughes, and they brought up super utility man, Christopher Morrell. I'm sure you saw Christopher Morrell. I, I shouldn't did. say I'm sure, but I, pretty much the world saw him because he You're right. I did. He hit a he hit a hit a bomb in his first major league at bat. It falling behind 0-2, worked the count full, hit a home run, uh, practically disrobed at home plate. He was throwing <laughs> everything in the air, missed first base. He did. had to turn around, went back. Um, Good coaching there. Yes, that's I, right. I would assume. Um, yeah, turned around, went back, got to the dugout, did a curtain call that nobody asked for. Which was great. Right. Turns out Wilson told him to do it, <laughs> so he fell for it and popped up out of the dugout. And the fans were like, "Who's that?" <laughs> oh yeah, the home run from a moment ago. And uh, and Brandon Hughes struck out the first four batters that he faced. That totally got buried. That's and uh, struck out all he he got five outs and they were all strikeouts. 
He has yet no no one has put the ball in play against him yet in Major League Baseball. Could be sustainable. And I was going to criticize uh, David Ross. Ah, far be it for me. Because uh, Hughes came into the game because um, Daniel Norris hurt himself while he was pitching. His Achilles went whoops. Mm. Turns out he did not he did not tear it. He did not even strain it. He was apparently as available tonight, but it cramped up on him and he came out of the game. And I just thought to myself, well, I want to talk to you about this. Because someone has suggested this. Maybe the great Bobby Valentine. But someone has suggested <laughs> it's really uncomfortable for a reliever to come in to replace an injured pitcher because you warm up on the mound, on the game mound, with everybody watching you, and you feel like you just need to hurry up because you're, you're literally holding up the game. You're standing there, everyone's staring at you, and you're trying to get loose. And I think it was I think it was Bobby right about the same time he invented the rap he decided he invented this. Um, why don't you just let the guy warm up for a while in the bullpen, like normal, and then come out and get your seven or eleven, however many you get when you first come into the game, and then just go. Why do you come out? It's not like the fans sit and watch the guy warm up like, woo, this is fun. They're not paying attention. They might as well just leave the you know let the guys you know lay in the grass for a while while the guy warms up. Um, so anyway. I thought, man, this is a tough spot for a rookie in his major league debut to come in completely cold and have to warm up on the game mound with everybody staring at him like, all right, buddy, let's go. We're bored. Um, And it affected him so much that he struck out the first four guys that he faced. So That's why these guys are pros. They tune all that stuff out. I mean, sometimes they don't, but they do have that – gene or whatever where do they all performance anxiety when they all when they're on the mound do they all go clear the mechanism <laughs> yes with mass and bum that's a snot rocket <laughs> with you know it's, it's the, it depends on the guy and you know but yeah they do yeah. i mean the, the, i'm you know we're, we're joking wasn't there this is reminding me of something from earlier in the year didn't we talk about did we talk about it or the whole um what was it? Was it an Astros? Maybe it was. Oh, no, this was, uh, I think this was last year in an Astros playoff series. Somebody came in and it was Jake Odorizzi, I think. And um, so th- th- this anecdote doesn't really apply, but once McCullers got hurt, I want to say, I'm, I'm misremembering some facts, but the one guy got hurt, Odorizzi came in and he took forever to warm up. And people were like, let's go already. And it was just, you know, he's a starting pitcher. Yeah. And they were on, you know, and it was, it took 15 minutes for him to warm up in front of everybody. And somebody suggested, well, why don't they just let him warm up in the bullpen? It was probably Bobby Valentine. It might have been Bobby Valentine. <laughs> I will say this. I, I've actually, I've taken my kids to a bunch of baseball games lately. And we have sat by the bullpen in the first row. And in Kauffman Stadium, you can look down, and there they are. And pitchers will get up a lot of times, pitchers who think maybe they're going to come in, and they'll start, they'll get those uh, those bands, and they'll hook them up to the fence, and they'll start, like, doing rowing exercises, yeah. and they'll be... So that, that there is uh, something to, maybe not even the mental part of it, but there is a part of the physical preparation that when a guy, oh, I got to go in, you know, and he's not ready for it, and it's whatever early... Uh, there, there's perhaps something there yeah. that they don't do 
because they have to do everything on the mound, you know, where you can't hook up bands to anything. It's not a bullpen. That's different. So. Well, I don't think we're going to have to worry about this again. But imagine if Trevor Bauer was your mm. the guy coming in, and he has to go down to the bullpen and get out the big flappy javelin thing, like like the yes. guy from Lambda, Lambda, Lambda. you got to warm up with that for a while. Then he's got to get somebody, and they got to go out on the field and throw long toss 400 feet for like 20 minutes. Um, it's funny how much this is like that uh, that somewhat related Jake Odorizzi anecdote that I just talk, talked about because people made that joke last year when Jake Odorizzi came into the game. I mean, oh, it's a good thing this isn't Bauer because <laughs> so it's uh, it, it is, it's just funny how we we all kind of we, not we all don't think of the same thing, but you know what I mean. It's funny to me. Well, I always steal from the best. So whoever yeah, made, it's, uh, whoever it's made a, those jokes, I'm stealing yeah, them from them now. It's not. It's like when something really important is invented, and it happens in two different places in the globe at the same time. You know, like uh, Louis Pasteur or whatever. <laughs> they, uh, they really, there's a, it's a phenomenon where something gets invented and it it happens simultaneously in France too. Look it up. It's a real thing. So it's not so much stealing, but it's I don't know if it's a psychic energy, but Oh, All working for I'm, the same goal. I'm full of psychic energy, so that's right. probably, probably what it was. Uh, but anyway, so I, I guess I let David Ross off the hook because he didn't he didn't screw up Brandon Hughes' debut. So what's your right. feeling on this? Because we've been having a the Cub fans been having a lot of chat about this. Like it's only going to get worse as the Cubs. Uh, I guess my point was it was nice to see the Cubs call up two guys who you think might actually be part of yes. a good Cub team at some point. Not dead weight, right? Not hey, let's see, let's yeah, let's play Jonathan VR at shortstop again. Let's see how that's working. It's like, oh, poor Jonathan. He's if you put a put a plate of ribs on either side of him, he'd get to it. But otherwise, he's <laughs> not going to move real fast. Um, and as they continue, hopefully, to bring up guys, uh, our good friends at the Marquee Sports Network, they love nothing more than to find the uh the debuting rookie's parents in the crowd and chat with them for an interminable amount of time. Yes. And that the game on uh, Tuesday basically turned into, uh, for a good, it seemed like two and a half hours <clears throat> in the middle of the game, the only people that were on were Taylor McGregor and Brandon Hughes' mom. Right. And they, I mean, she got baby pictures out. And, <laughs> I mean, when they got to the ultrasound... It was like, oh, we knew it was going to be left-handed. Look at this. It's like, no, we don't want to. We don't want to hear any of that. So, uh, and then t- and tonight on the YouTube game, Jake Sawinski, a Chicago area kid. Yeah, um, that's right. The, the Taylor had interviewed. We knew Jake Sawinski's uh, dad from yesterday because they spent a good fifteen minutes with him. Well, he he was on the YouTube. He was basically the third man in the booth for the YouTube broadcast tonight. Mm-hmm. And Jake yeah. hit a home run, which ended up being the game-winning run. Um, but what is your feeling on the, um, interviewing of the parents during the game? Does it, what does it add to the game? Well, it, it obviously depends on how, you know, um, how excitable the parents are, you know, the stories they can tell. I'm a, I am a sucker for it in concept, but it's always something that seems like a better idea 
than it does uh, in uh, idea than execution. Um, you know, I come from, I was a writer for the Northwest Herald. So I talked to parents a lot and it was, you know, it was in their interest to be nice to me, I guess, <laughs> but it was, um, you know, that, that family side of things, it obviously gets overdone sometimes. And sometimes you don't have the right personalities doing it, but you know, you, you talked about it, you alluded to it, how, well, maybe these guys are going to be part of the team. Good time to go to, you know, Brandon Hughes' mom and or whatever. And Jake Sawinski's dad, wrong team, but you get what I'm saying. Oh, they didn't care. They was they, Taylor was all over Jake Sawinski's right. dad. But in the, in the case of the Cubs, you know, uh, if these guys are going to be part of the team, maybe, let's hit it full. Uh, and I, baseball games are... You know, I hear a lot of people complain about like the Apple broadcast and they're they're talking about everything but the game. And it's like, you know, games are three hours long. There's 162 per team. You know, I don't know that you always have to be talking about baseball. So maybe conceptually speaking, it's it's not a bad idea. And uh, I, I like what you're saying about how maybe these guys will be part of the future. So, you know, Cubs fans now can say, yeah, I remember when his mom was on, and you know, it's a. It takes a certain amount of sentimentality to, and not and not uh, be too cynical about it. But it's, uh, I see what they're doing. I, I think I certainly became sensitive to it last year with the Cubs because um, they the Cubs signed Trevor Williams, and his dad Richard, yeah. um, who I think is probably more famous for being uh, Venus and Serena's. Dad, I was wondering if you would make the joke, and yeah. you did. Um, you Will Smith through. did a great job, I thought, in the movie. That's right. Um, so they interviewed Richard before Trevor's first start, and Richard had and had an actual Cub tie. He had been a he worked one summer as a vendor at Wrigley Field. Hmm. Well, that's kind of neat. That's fun. But oh my God! Every time Trevor pitched, we had to get ten minutes with Richard Williams. And they would, even when they weren't interviewing, they were showing him in the crowd. It's like, we just, we don't really care. I'm sorry. Right. This was great. We had his, it's supposed to be 15 minutes, not 15 starts of fame. <laughs> That's about all Trevor lasted with the Cubs. But um, my favorite uh, <laughs> part of it was, though, that Trevor was fascinated by the fact that Richard had, and this turned out to be a terrible uh, idea of his, he had plotted out, uh, looking at, based on a five-man rotation, all of Trevor's starts, and as he said, he had boughten t- plane tickets, boughten <laughs> plane tickets to all those cities. Well, Trevor ended up in Iowa for a while, and then the bullpens that didn't really work out all that great for him. But I put this in the column the other day. My favorite moment of this last year was PJ Higgins, catch- catcher. Cubs used a million backup catchers last year. Yeah, I think eleven of them. Um. Ended up bringing back Robinson Chirinos, a guy they had literally drafted 20 years before he made his Cubs debut. 20! <laughs> um, P.J. Higgins made his Major League debut, and Taylor found the Higginses in the crowd, and she was interviewing them, and Dad Higgins wanted no part of this. He was trying to watch. She was interviewing while P.J. was batting, and he was pissed. And at one point she said, are you going to follow the team to wherever they're playing next? And he looked at her and he's like, don't you have a schedule? You, know, like, <laughs> you don't know where they're going next? You're going. 
It was great. <laughs> he was so pissed. That ended that interview, but they didn't stop him. They just, they continued to do them. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it sounds like maybe they were leading into it a little too hard. Well, I'm yeah. for the, well, Marquee, Marquee has like three moves, and that's all they do. They just hammer him over and over and over again. Right. And uh, every night is parent night on Marquee Sports Network. Yeah, I guess I didn't realize that, uh, you know, you asked me what I thought of the whole concept, bringing the, the parents back for every appearance. <laughs> no, I mean, we get, I mean, yep. if they have another relative who's interesting to talk to, maybe go to uncle. That's right. Uncle Richard. Or just make it fun. Bring back, like, ex-girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> so what's he really yes. like? Right. Right. You guys went to prom? Where did you go? Did you go to Red Lobster? What did you get? <laughs> Taylor, come on. Let's go for that. Do you like those Cheddar Bay biscuits? Those are good. Don't you think? Do you think they're really... Do you think they make it from scratch? I think they're frozen. You can get the recipe on the internet. You can get the actual um, uh, biscuits, the pre-made frozen ones that you yeah. just like, oh. and they're good. I yeah. think I've seen them in yeah. the frozen counter. Back you know what? I, I On that note, this is... I mean, if there's a sponsorship out there... <laughs> Uh, I just, I had my birthday and one of the things that I oh, wanted was a Tillo's cake. And so my wife made the, you know, has the directions, the instructions, the recipe, that's the word. Um, the instructions. Yeah. Well, same thing. Yes. And, uh, so I'm, I'm into that recreating your own restaurant food at home. I thing. can mail you one if you want. I run, I run Wait. over and get one. I call Dick Portillo and see, um, you know, if he'll ship you one. Right. But how was it? Was it close? Yes, that's it was good. close. Oh, that's a good skill to have. Yes. I'm impressed. And I also I also asked for, I don't know, maybe this, um, am I, do I miss Chicago? Maybe. I asked for uh, Chicago's pizza. I love, My favorite pizza is the stuffed spinach pizza from Chicago's Pizza. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, you know, it's a Malnati's-ish kind of thing. And, and um so they send you like two of them frozen for something ridiculous, like eighty dollars. I mean, it's just yeah. something that you do once a year at that price. And uh, man, that was good stuff. Reminded me of home. So I'm like, I'm into you know making your own Chicago restaurant food, or just ordering it freeze dried and had, and thawing it out. Does it come in? Dry, does it come in dry ice? Do you get to like? Does it open it up and, the, and it all just like all the it, stuff you expect it to lofts out. It's that I don't know what it is. It's those uh, cube-like things that are frozen. Maybe it was dry ice at one time, and it's in a box that looks like it would be dry ice. But I don't know. What does dry ice look like when it's not? I don't know. It's uh, it's like an ice but dry. Then yes, that's what I've been told. Yeah, I had a I had a girlfriend who was originally from Lincoln, Nebraska. I don't know which one of the Ricketts kids she was, but um. And uh, for Christmas one year, she got my parents, uh, she just, she bought the Omaha Steaks, the, you know, the, yeah. sent them the package that you get. And it came in dry ice. And my dad was super impressed. You're right. Oh, there, it didn't even have to be anything in the crate. Just, yeah. the, just the show that the dry ice put on when he opened it was enough. Yes. Yeah, he was very excited about that. That's a very dad thing to get excited yep. about. Yeah, the presentation was enough. He didn't even, right. didn't even, I don't think he ever commented on the meat. So uh, the uh, the big 
The big rumor du jour today is uh, compliments of uh, of our friend uh, Buster Olney. Did you see this mm. today? That uh, He says the industry chatter is that the Nationals are considering trading Juan Soto. That was Buster, huh? I did see the rumor, but I didn't see that it started there. That was Buster. Uh, as I told people, uh, if Buster's right, it'll be the first time. <laughs> hmm. um, it does. Uh, that that seems that sounds right. Yes. yes. As well, someone pointed time. out, one of the reasons he has he's had an axe to grind for the Cubs for a long time. <laughs> one guy I think was correct when he's like, um, he had a he got a bunch of like bogus info from whoever his Cub sources were for a while, and it pissed him off, and so he basically just trashes the Cubs and everything. Funny. <laughs> they made me look like an ass. Screw them! <laughs> I hope they never win another game. My personal Buster Vendetta. You don't pull the wool over Vermont's favorite dairy cow milker or whatever. I forget. Mike Greenberg always used to say what Buster's real name was every time he interviewed him. introduced him, and I forgot what it is. It's something. That's not coming to mind at it's all? It's not really Buster. You'd be shocked to know. His first name is not actually. Legally, it's not Buster. Clarence? It's something bad. Yeah. I mean, would you go by Buster if he had a good first name? No, you wouldn't. No. I, one thing I'm sort of a oh man uh, okay it is Robert Stanberry Buster only the third yeah it was the Stanberry part that was the uh, he always introduced him as Robert Stanberry only the third I'm sure what was related to Terrence Stansbury remember him he used to be in the NBA the slam dunk contest all the time yes he, for he, the Sonics. He, he liked to do the three sixty mm-hmm. I believe he did the and Statue the, of Liberty dunk which was not a great dunk. It was basically like the James Worthy one in a dunk contest. Nobody, <laughs> nobody's, nobody's giving you a 10 for Terrence. No, not anymore. That's very old-fashioned. So Juan Soto is 23 years old. He will not be a free agent until after the 2024 season. He currently makes $17.1 million. He'll make considerably more than that in his next two years of arbitration. But he's also... Like, really, really, really good. If you're the Nationals, um, you know, if this rumor was true, does that mean you don't, you do not intend to contend through 2024? And even if you do, you're like, well, we're not going to be able to afford Juan Soto. I mean, they, uh, they need to, I don't, know, I don't know about those owners in Washington. They're kind of weak, the learners, the learners permit. But um, yeah, I mean, you're 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 getting to the point where, thinking like a baseball team, you know, he's not as great as he is. You know, if he makes twenty five or thirty million dollars a year in arbitration, which is what it's getting to, what kind of value is that? But but then again, the way I would say is, well, you get thirty million dollars of value out of one guy. That's right. pretty good. But well, um, and you figure, what should the a team like the Nationals should be spending? Upwards of $200 million on payroll. Yeah. Maybe $250 million. That's 10%. If you're paying your best player 10% of your payroll, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. So suck it up and pay him. Because, yeah, you can you could trade him. You can get four guys for him. And then be like, you know what we could really use on this team? We could use a Juan Soto. Well, you had one. But you traded him for... Right. I mean, I'm still scarred from the Cubs... Um, not bothering to 
uh, up their offer to Greg Maddox and then using all that money to sign, you know, like the great Jose Guzman and Jose Candy Guzman. Maldonado and go, look at all these guys, Dave Smith. Look at all the guys we got. Yeah, right. and they're all bad. And you don't have Greg Maddox and he's going to win three more Cy Youngs in a row. And you fucked yourself. So congratulations. You saved some money. And now guess what? Every team, every time a team does this, they end up spending more money on worse players. It yeah. always ends up happening. The course correction is always worse than just keeping the really good guy in the first place. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a, people have looked at this and, you know, when you spend the money on the really, really good players, it's almost always worth it. It's like the mid range guys that you overshoot on that, yeah. that you know, Jason. that you sort of, the Jose Guzman, Dave Smith, you know, Candy Molinaro's, those guys, that's, those are the guys that you regret. And that, you know, you use that as an example, but I, that's, that tends to be more the norm. So it was the, I, I, I don't want to say, I, love, I really like Jim Henry. I was dead. He seemed like a cool guy. He got the Cubs of the playoffs, you know, yep. multiple times, which nobody, you know, better than a lot of GMs have done. But Jim's biggest problem was he would pay a good player like a great player and expect them to become a great player. And it's like, right. no, putting an extra zero on the paycheck doesn't make them better. It just means you paid more for them. And that right. was, I'm sure people have heard me talk about this ad nauseum, but that to me was the biggest disappointment when the Cubs signed Jason Hayward, even at the time, was that was Theo doing the thing that Theo was never supposed to do. And that was paying this guy. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, he's going to be, he's good now, but he's going to be great. And it's like, no, he's probably not going to be great. You're paying him like he's great. I mean, that whole deal, the Cubs put an opt-out for him after the third year, and they were convinced he was going to be so good that they would never – it was a three-year contract to them. Well, guess what? They're going to pay every cent of that over eight years because he's bad, and he's not – he refuses to leave. They Now he holds all the cards. They can't trade him to anybody. Um, Actually, that's a good question. I'll have to consult with Bob Nightingale because soon – He's going to have to tweet out a post congratulating Jason Hayward on his 10th year of service time. And that means the Cubs can't trade him to anybody because he, he currently has a limited no trade. He can block X amount of teams. Right. But this is going to be his 10th year, and um, he will have more than five of them with the Cubs, and they won't be able to trade him anymore. Not that, honestly, his play in his contract is a no trade clause all by itself, but still. It is. Um, but it's funny, you know, that, that this rumor flies that every team is like, Ooh, what could we put together to get Juan Soto? And it was funny. Cub fans are, we can't help ourselves. And we're already seeing Cub fans. Other Cub fans are like throwing out like every one of their prospects. Yeah. Give them this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy. And there are other Cub fans going, Oh my God, no, (laughs) you, you can't Nelson Velasquez. You can't trade him. <laughs> it's like, guys, are we gonna? We can't. I, I'm too old to go through all this again. You trade any of them. Put them all in a. Put, put them all in a box. Put them in a basket. Put them on the. What river was it that no, they put Moses in? Just send uh, them down the river with the. The river. Uh, it's not the Nile, was it? It could be. No. Jordan. Jordan. Yes. There you go. Yeah, good. See? Biblical scholar. Who knew? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. I think we talked about uh, Bryce Harper and his torn, his Tommy John disease. Um, 
Don't pick up your elbow for four weeks. Pretty much. Four. But, you know, you swing as hard as you want at baseball. <laughs> it's a completely right. different motion. It's like underhand. You'll be fine. I don't get that either, but. It seems to be a thing, though. I remember Shohei got to bat for a whole year. He did. After he got his Tommy John disease treated. Um, well, I should ask you, do you know why I call it Tommy John disease? Uh, I don't remember if I. Chip Carey called it that accidentally during the game. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> <coughs> wow. Yep. He said some guy had Tommy John disease. He didn't say he caught Tommy John disease, but he said he had Tommy John disease, which I enjoyed very much. Yeah. Um, yes. It's also, See, you um, know, you talk about earlier, you mentioned, you know, maybe it's worth it to have the, the parents on all the time for those moments when things go horribly wrong. Like, don't you have a schedule? Or, you know, Tommy John disease. Tommy John disease. I know Chip isn't a parent, but same no. thing. But you know the famous Chip story about uh, when he was a kid. It was a terrible story, which I'd love to tell. <laughs> he told it, so I feel like it's fair. So he um, he was a kid playing minor league, playing, minor league, playing little league baseball in um, St. Louis. And because I guess he was living with mom, not with Skip. And Harry, his grandpa, came to the, I, I, in my mind I was picturing, it's like one of those things where there's multiple games going on at once. And Harry carries there. Here's grandpa. He's there. And grandpa didn't know who Chip was. Oh, my God. It's a horrible story. Scarred poor Chip for life. As we hear all the time. I was so I had a clip ready to to embed. It was great. The uh, um, Braves were playing in Milwaukee the other night, and there was a little a little line drive hit in front of Ozzy Albies. Mm-hmm. Did you see it? Ozzy tried to let it drop, yeah, and scoop it up, and start a double play. And Chip was going on. Chip was uh, I thought completely confused because he's like, no, 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 he caught that. And I was like, clearly, to, I'm like, well, no, the ump is right there. Of course, the ump thought right. I got Chip. Chip was right. <coughs> Ozzy tried to short hop it, but it hit his glove. It didn't hit the dirt in front of his glove. So I'm like, yeah. oh, don't get to use that. Sorry. Chip was right. right. No fun in that. Probably not real fair for me, but still, that's what happened. Chip and Joe Carter didn't overlap, did they? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is a dream team. Hmm. They uh, famously, do you remember the, uh, and we talked about this on Remember This Crap, about how, you know, the Cubs don't play the Rockies that much, but the Cubs have had some ridiculous games with the Rockies, some wild comebacks, and um, they... they erased hugely. We would, the 2008 Cubs were down 9-1 to in the sixth and came back and beat them, and... um, the every all Cub fans remember 2015. The Cubs had been playing pretty well. They got to the trade deadline, didn't make any real moves. They got um, Dan Heron and uh, Tommy uh, Hunter, and right. everybody was like, um, mostly because they were trying to trade for Craig Kimbrell, and the uh, Padres had him at the time, and they were insisting on Javi Baez, and the Cubs wouldn't do it. But anyway. Uh, either right, bef- right before the deadline, they got no hit by Cole Hamels. They hadn't been no hit oh. for 
year for decades, and there were things were slipping away. And uh, the Cubs blew a lead against the Rockies late, and Chris Bryant um, hit a walk-off home run, and the Cubs pff, took off like a shot. They won like 20 of the next 24 games. We all remember that. Uh, but one of my favorite Cubs Rocky games ever was in 2001, and um, the Cubs rallied in the ninth inning, and there was this ridiculous um, botched defensive play by the uh, by the Rockies. Um, I believe Joe Girardi was the hitter. Anyway, Ricky Gutierrez was uh, kind of wandering off of third base. He, the Cubs somehow tied it on the play, and Ricky Gutierrez was wandering around third base and looked up and didn't think anybody was covering and took off, and he was going to be out dead to rights. And the throw beat him, and Chip yelled, He's out! Just as he was being called safe. <laughs> the Cubs win. It was great for that. Out, safe, whatever. Uh, fans will also remember that that was the game when Steve McMichael got thrown out of the game, singing the seventh that, inning stretch by Angel Hernandez. That was the same night. Wow, I remember that. I was there for that. The guys on the call for that game, Chip Carey and Joe Carter. Oh. And Joe was also no help during the wild. No. I mean, it was it was a crazy final play. The ball was flying all over the infield. The Cubs should have been, the Rockies should have won. Then it should have just been tied. Then the Cubs won. But those two were no match for the moment. So, yeah, they were they were together for a while. Ricky Gutierrez also with the Cubs longer than I remember. Ricky Gutierrez suffered my all-time favorite injury uh, by a Cub. <laughs> he um, was running to first base, pulled his hamstring, fell down, and separated his shoulder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, when things go bad, Ricky, they go bad. Because um, other Cubs, I mean, Sammy obviously um, uh, ruptured, or didn't mm-hmm. rupture, but he slipped a disc in his back sneezing. In the locker room in San Diego. That's right. a good one. Uh, two other great Cub injuries, though, uh, happened bef- one before and one after they were Cubs. Glenn Allen Hill, remember that? He he, he had a nightmare that spiders were chasing him, and he was in his hotel in the Sky Dome, and he crashed through the, um, the, uh, yeah, the coffee table and hurt himself. And Henry Cotto was cleaning his ears with a Q-tip in the dugout at Yankee Stadium, and somebody bumped into him, and he ruptured his eardrum. Oh, I love Henry <laughs> One of my all-time favorite Cubs. Uh, oh, Cub uh, reliever Brandon Morrow famously uh, hurt his back, uh, taking his pants off in his closet at home. He was he was trying not to wake his wife, and he so he right. closed the closet door to get re- get ready for bed, and somehow uh, hurt his back and fell down in the closet. And she wow. finds him. You know, sprawled in the closet with his pants around his ankle. Probably not the first time she found Brandon like that. Again, oh, you're making a at least. At least you're home this time, Brandon. Did you see the thing last week where, um, it, for like Asian American Night at City Field, they invited like the some dignitary to throw out the first pitch. And he was all excited. I'm sure he was practicing at home. Right. He was doing all this stuff. And uh, him and the I, – I probably Mr. Met. I don't know who was going to catch it. They go to run out to do it before the game, and Max Scherzer is already on his way to the mound. Oh. And Max would not let the guy throw out the first pitch because <laughs> he was you know, too into, I'm ready to go. And the poor right. guy like runs out. And he kind of stands in front of the mound for a minute and looks at him and then just runs off the field. 
It's like, Max, come on. It's May. You have to be, you know, this is not a September pennant race game. You don't have to be a dick all the time. Too early for beast mode. Yeah. I felt bad for that guy. I didn't. I, I now. I I did not actually see this. I need to go see it. The I video that they show is like from is like from the ballpark cam that MLB Network uses, where you're up, and it's really yeah. funny. You can see the whole thing develop. Like you see Max heading to the mound, and this guy, and like the events lady, she's got the headset on. You know, she's talking to whoever so they can get his stuff up on the scoreboard. And he gets out there, and Max is glaring at him with the two <laughs> weird eyes, and he just turns around and runs off the field. <laughs> Like, never mind. Like the uh, the droid on uh, the Death Star when Chewbacca scares him. <laughs> yeah, just, just backs up. Uh, it was kind of like uh, Steve Aoki, the first pitch he threw out at Fenway. Did you see that? He threw it over. Yes. The, unintentionally threw it over the backstop, not like when Bill Murray did it at Wrigley. Right. There is video now, though, that has surfaced of him talking to whoever was catching the first pitch. And he had done it before, and he had bounced it. And he's yeah. like, I, and he literally was asking for tips. And the guy's like, well, just aim higher. And then they just cut right to him whipping it, <laughs> throwing it over. <laughs> like, not that high. That's great. Uh, he did get the ball back, though. So it rolled. It did that sad roll down. Yeah. Drip, drip, drip. And fell onto the field, and they handed it back to him. Okay. I think I ran through all my stuff. You did? I did. I didn't say I did a lot of prep. I just said I did some. It's uh, it's seamless. Uh, it's it's as if you weren't reading off something. It's like it seems like you did it from extemporaneously. Yeah. Oh, I'm nothing if not professional. <laughs> um. Well, there is one thing. I mean. There, Something that I'm thinking about, kind of. Um, the interesting moves with the Twins getting oh yeah Carlos Correa back and one of their hottest hitters and top prospects, um, uh, um, Lewis. And Royce. he's got a first name, Royce Lewis. Royce Lewis. And uh, they sent him down because he doesn't have any. They not gonna have anywhere to play him at short. They didn't apparently think about this when. They signed Carlos Correa. Yeah. It's like, well, maybe you want to go to some third base and some second base, but it they... did seem like poor planning because I saw that they basically the plan, and maybe this is the plan they came up with after they started getting heavily criticized. Yeah, was oh no 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 we're sending him to we're sending him back to AAA, but he's gonna uh, that's to get him some reps at other positions, mm. so that we'll bring him back and then he'll be able to play second or left. We don't just want to have him, you know, he only played short in the minors, you know, this year. And we don't want to, you know, say, okay, whatever. Um, I mean, if he had, that's why every team should have Joe Madden as manager. Joe would just rotate him around like pitch to pitch. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Royce, go play second. Uh, okay, what is the count now? Two and one. Royce, go to left. And he's just running all over. <laughs> Never yes. even, trying to change gloves. <laughs> it's like. There's a certain, you know, way of doing things. You know, well, you're a professional. You, you'll get it. That's what the White Sox have been doing with Andrew Vaughn, putting him in right field. Right. Hey, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, what are the odds the ball get hit to you anyway? Right. Oh, there it comes. Un- unfortunately high. But... Well, that's kind of like um, 
that's not kind of like at all, but I don't know why. It, but it made me think of this. Um, under Joe, the Cubs changed the way they uh, defended bunts to the point where, um, you know, Rizzo, the most fearless. Um, right. Right yeah, on top get, of it. Yeah, basically, he'd like old Jeff Bagwell to stand basically right on top of the plate and just let you hit it at him as hard as you want. Right. Um, somebody, I think maybe the Brewers, complained that he wasn't playing first base. So he couldn't wear a first base mitt uh, because you can only wear a first base mitt at first base. Did you know this? I I believe I remember when they I remember I did not know that before. Yeah, this I didn't conference. either. Uh, I've i since forgotten this. So, but when the but Cubs would running. shift, someone would have to bring a different glove out for Anthony Rizzo to wear. Yes, yeah, until the right. bunt was over, and then he could switch back to his glove. It's like I think uh, maybe we're. Who was the pitcher who they um, – I think it was a Cardinal. I hope it was a Cardinal. Um, they determined that his glove was too light. Yeah. And so the Cardinals actually it. brought out, like, two choices and right. asked the ump which one would be okay. <laughs> anything you like? Was it Giovanni uh, Gallego? <laughs> like, are either one of these acceptable? It hey, was like, it was like they brought the dessert card out. And they're like, right. okay. For the uh, rack of furs and goodfellas. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the mink and the black forest cake and the uh, and the black glove with the white trim. Okay, good. It's uh I just saw something else that is sort of related to the what you mentioned about Rizzo's mitt. And it's a mitt. You know, it's a first baseman's mm-hmm. mitt, a second baseman's glove. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. It's catchers the, catchers and first baseman get mitts and everybody else has yes. to wear a glove. Right. Like an oven mitt, kind of. It's easy to understand that way. Um, until like 1950, it wasn't uh, codified that it was uh, that the home team would bat first or last. It was uh, kind of a tradition that it it became you know an unwritten rule that was real, but it wasn't put in the rules until like after 1950 that the home team bats last. So did they used to do the thing where they would go out? They'd have. And they were exchanging lineup cards. They would hold the bat, and the guys would put their hands on it, and he would try to see who could get their hand on the top of the bat last. Is that how you they have working? to think that that happened at some point? Yeah. You, you I never somebody... understood how you won that. Is it the guy who put his hand on like the top of the knob? Is yeah. that like yeah. covered it? Yes, like over the top. Absolutely. I mean, that's how we did it when we were kids. Yeah. So yes, I'm going to say that's how they did it when they were adults. But I I found that interesting that that was not a rule. You would think that that would be a rule that they would want to put that down legally but well we did a captain did a podcast a few months ago with kelly dwyer and we talked about how ridiculous it was that in basketball it took like um first they used the peach basket then it took like three years to figure out to maybe cut a hole in the bottom of the peach basket but they only cut one out big enough to put a stick in to pop the ball out with (laughs) then like five years later they finally figured out maybe just cut a hole big enough for the ball and then we don't have to. But they were only scoring like four baskets a game. Well, and then and then you you'd score a basket, and then they do a jump ball. Yeah, you have to go do a jump ball. Yeah. Um. So did you know this about football? Apparently, it's in the rules, even in the NFL rules. And Bill Belichick's going to find a reason to do this at some point. Hmm. When you give up a touchdown, it's your choice whether you kick or receive. You could literally a, t- a team scores on you, and you could ki- you have the right if you want you could kick the ball back to them. But it was just over time. No, obviously, why wouldn't you want the ball? 
that they stopped asking. It just became an automatic. You score a touchdown and you kick off. You know, you give up a touchdown, you get the ball. Well, it's kind of remember Marty Morningwig. Yeah. Down in Champaign decided to uh, won the toss and kicked off in overtime uh, because of the wind and the fact that the Bears offense was terrible. And somehow, in fact, I think we did this on Remember This Crap, the football edition, and we realized that um, Marty took a bunch of shit, but both teams had the ball in overtime. Mm-hmm. So it's not mm-hmm. – when you remember it, it's, oh, Marty, they kicked off. The Bears came right on the right. field and scored. I don't think that's what happened. I think I remember that we realized that it went back and forth. They end up losing. And so, of course, he, you, know, he, you know, he's a dunce. He wanted the win more than he wanted the ball to start overtime. And he's right. Marty Morningwig. It's a terrible name with a weird H towards the end of it. And <laughs> Yeah, you don't. You never know where to put it. No. Is it Earwig? No. Morning, morning Wig. Well, everything has to be unusual about those Western Pennsylvania guys, you know, yeah. how they talk or how they spell their names, you know, how they chew their gum. And I learned something today that I didn't know, or maybe it was yesterday. Uh, so the Pacific Coast League is going is now using the the automated strike zone. The machines yeah. are calling balls of strikes. What I learned today was there's a Pacific Coast League again. Right. Because I didn't they, know that. They, for what, two years, right? It was like AAA West. Right. Some horrible nondescript name. And they rebranded again this year and went back to the Pacific Coast League. And I think even changed some of the team names back to like traditional. uh, I don't know if Portland got to be the Beavers again or whatever it was, but the Rainiers. And I didn't know Mm -hmm. any of that till today because I'm like, there is no Pacific Coast League. And I Googled it and I was like, oh, there is. And they have a new logo and it's kind of pretty. Yeah. So is there an American association again then? Uh, well, that's that was. Uh, wasn't that the, the other half? League? Oh yeah, the international league. The international. There were three of them. Okay. At least three 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 triple A leagues, right? The international league, the American association. American association hasn't been around for a while. Okay. They folded. So it was. But, so but I two, think there is a. So the two were the Pacific Coast League, and the international league. Yes, although when we West. were kids, there was an American Association. Yeah, because yeah, the Iowa Cubs were in it. Okay. It was like the middle, the American Association was the middle of the country. Right. Um, okay. Because I loved it when they realigned and uh, Des Moines was in the Pacific Coast League. Because right. it's really, it is beautiful. You know, the S's are silent and so is the, so is the sh- seashore in Des Moines. There's a river, right? Somewhere. I don't know. I know when you drive through Iowa, there's a there's a tree and a couple <laughs> of hills and then a lot of flat. Not to besmirch Nebraska again, but I will because their governor is a scumbag cub owner. Um, the um, when I drove to Colorado, you get past Omaha, and oh, there is nothing. Yeah, there is there is nothing in Nebraska. It's until you get to Ogallala. Oh, yeah? I stayed at the uh, Grey Goose Hotel in Ogallala, Nebraska. And uh, they were remodeling it. But it was cheap. And it, the room I was in was a remodeled room. So I'm like, that's fine. But they put me on the first floor right by the parking lot. Like, so I'm like, ugh. So I took the desk and put it in front of the door. <laughs> <laughs> Like, just in case somebody, if they want to break in and kill me, they're going to make a lot of noise before they get to me. 
So if you're ever in Ogallala, I highly recommend the Grey Goose Hotel. I'll make a note of it. Beautiful. Right there off route whatever. Um, oh, I don't know what else I wanted to talk to you about. So the um, it seems now like all the teams in the American League East are spending a lot of time making fun of each other's ballparks. Right. We talked, was it last week, we talked about uh, Aaron Boone being able to do the math on the 99% of... Uh, yeah. Um, so then... Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge would have hit three homers in Baltimore the other day, except for the weird reconfigured left field. Right. And so then he was bitching about their, whatever he called their erector set of a ballpark. Um, why do we know the logic behind the Orioles? Because it's, it's aesthetically not pleasing. Oh, no. They have it's a, not. They have a looks- beautiful ballpark, and they seem to change the dimensions for no reason, and it just looks dumb. Well, at it, some, I, I think it's it's probably a delayed, you know, I, I don't know for a fact the answer because I was thinking about this today. I'm like, you know, we're, we're complaining. I know people complain like there's too many home runs, and that's where it started. It was like, you know, Glaber Torres would play the Orioles. That's what I was saying. And Did all of Glaber's homers fall there? And they're yes. like, just push the wall back. They would all be outs or right. doubles. We'll be fine. I think that is the genesis of okay. it. So it's Glaber's fault. And uh, there's too many home runs. And then, well, there isn't too many home runs anymore. So I think it's just uh, you know, the red tape or the, you know, maybe people were giving pushback. It's like, no, you don't want to do this to Camden Yards because Aaron Judge is going to make a funny quip about it. Yeah. Um, but I think that's what, it, you know, at some point people decided there's too many home runs. All right, we're going to help our pitching staff out and make it bigger. I think I think that is the genesis of it. That's the only thing that makes sense because it looks ugly, and now people aren't really hitting home runs like they used to. So, and the ball's mushy. So, and there's but, a human. Yeah. yeah, and they didn't even give it like, um, you know, there's just like there's a ninety degree angle in it. It just like comes out, and it's like it just looks awful. At least it looks like you. They they're like, oh, the Colts are coming back, yeah. and they're gonna play. <laughs> right. You know, and we're gonna make an end zone. <laughs> Burt Jones needs extra room over here. So we'll yeah. be fine. No, it's terrible. And, I, you know, I. It looks like it could be undone in a day. Well, you the would hope so. I, I hope that they are just, they are, maybe they put the rest of the left field in the warehouse and they can go and get it and put it back. <laughs> maybe they can, you know, come back from a road trip and it'll be there. I mean, it's kind of like, so the, you know, the Cubs famously, when they got rid of the bullpens, Actually, this was before. The first, just the reconfiguration of it. They thought they had enough room for a football field until Northwestern and Illinois tried to play there. <laughs> like, wait a minute. No, they're going to run Maybe, into the yeah, wall. It's, it's like, hey, Bronco Nagurski used to run into the wall all the time. <laughs> right. It's, look, he turned out fine. It's like, oh, well, we're not wearing leather helmets. We're not going to run into the wall. So they had to had to go the same way the whole game. That was great. So then when they redid it and they got rid of the bullpens or moved the bullpens, you know, they hit them under the bleachers. Um, those seats now are removable and they did it last year because they had, who was it? Purdue and Northwestern, I think played and they could actually, it's still though, they still could barely put a field right. in there. Like they must've added like two feet and must've just been enough to make the big 10. Like, well, was, did the check clear? Yeah, fine. You can play. Right. Um, but it looks like such an ordeal to take that apart. 
It's like, this. how was this the best solution? Seriously, guys. For the one college football game you're going to host, you're right. doing all this stuff. And I know they want to have, have a bowl game. Because that's just what everybody wants to do. They want to go play a football game in Wrigley Field in December. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> what a treat. And what is that, the bowl game for, like, the last place team in the MAC? Right. Well, yeah, the seventh place. Oh team no, we got to go to Wrigley versus the oh. fifth place team in the. That's right. Mountain. They said they said they'd put uh, metal garbage cans on the sidelines and let us start fires in them. We'll be fine. Warm right up. And it's like people don't learn from their stadium history. You know the the cookie cutter stadiums of the seventies, where you know they put everything on wheels and they'd move it around, yeah. and it would be this huge ordeal and it's like oh no we can we can just squeeze it in there it's you know and it doesn't it doesn't they did not learn anything from the past no they always look bad like uh out in san francisco they were playing like the california almond bowl yeah and they could you could kind of go they could put a field sideways in whatever it is now oracle park i guess um and it looked stupid on tv and it's like, oh, what, what are we doing here? What's the, I don't get the, I guess. And, you know, they, they when they started to make the, the Camden Yards progressive field, you know, Comiskey Park, I guess, stadiums of the 90s, it's like, no, we want football over here and this in, the, in their own stadium and baseball only for the aesthetics of that. And then all of a sudden, well, that's not important anymore. So you can tell there were a couple of changes at the executive level and people forgot about that. Well, it's like it uh, at Soldier Field. Their explanation for the longest time it was they can't grow grass there. They've tried a million times. All they do by October, they're just painting the dirt green. And um, everybody's like, "Why don't you just switch to field turf?" I mean, just bite the bullet. At first, we're like, "Oh no, no, football was meant to be played on grass." It's like, "Yeah, well, you want a Super Bowl plan on you know the shitty, the world's worst astroturf yes. stuff was like a quarter of an inch thick. It was like playing on a parking lot." Then their thing was, um, like, a season would start, and they'd be like, well, no, it's too low. We can't. Can't do it now. Except they <laughs> – the Patriots made them look bad because Patriots, early in a season, the field was <coughs> torn up, and Bob Kraft is like, screw this. We're putting field turf in. They put it in. Like, the Patriots had two road games in a row. They tore out their old field. They put field turf in. And they played the Bears on the first game with the new turf, and it was fine. And like, okay, yeah. you can't use that excuse. So then the excuse they used was, well, no, uh, we want Soldier Field to still be in the if, – if when the U.S. gets the World Cup again, if you don't have a grass field, you can't host a game. It's like, okay, what? When are we going to host the World Cup again? And if we do, what are the odds you're going to have a game in Chicago? And if you do, it's like, you plant some fucking – put sod on the field yes. for two weeks. Yeah. Right. <sighs> But it'll be interesting to see what kind of what they have in the in the McCaskey Dome in Arlington Heights. I would guess um, they have to make it a dome. They're gonna have to put turf in it. They can put the fancy turf like they have in uh, L.A. that looks like you know, grass. It'll be fine. Yeah. The Raiders. I don't know if you noticed this. So they have a field like the Arizona Cardinals do, where they can pull the field out. To get it some sun, and right. then they can slide it back in. So that's fine. Except the field is terrible. Whenever the Raiders play on it, it's just clumps of 
shit everywhere. What makes it more infuriating is UNLV uses that stadium too, and they play on turf. It's under the when the Raiders wheel the grass out. There's a yeah. full field turf field there. <laughs> right. It's like maybe use that one. It's there. <laughs> right. Just, how about we don't push the dead grass back in this week? Huh? No. And under that, there's a swimming pool that George Bailey <laughs> designed. That's right. <laughs> All right, well, that's enough for uh, turf talk for this week. Um, Copyright. Or, yeah. Yeah, I got, a, I, got a, I got us a sponsorship from uh, AstroTurf. Is AstroTurf still a thing? Well, you know, I mean, to bring it back to baseball, when they built the AstroDome, yeah. the, pa- the panels in the roof were clear so that grass? they could grow grass in the AstroDome. The problem was... When anybody hit a fly ball, nobody could find the ball. <laughs> right. So they had to paint the roof, and then all the grass died. Right. So then they had to invent AstroTurf. And that's why we have AstroTurf, and that's why it was called AstroTurf. Right. That's why Wendell Davis's knees exploded. Oh, yes. They're still... Oh. I remember the description of that. Um, where that his, both of his kneecaps were up in his, were up in his thighs. Oh. oh, my God. Oh, that doesn't sound good. Did you know, though, uh, to, to make it more of a feel-good, um, like a whole bunch of – David West just died. He's 57 years yeah, old. Yeah, I saw that. He's a, and he played for the Phillies. And the, the Phillies of that time – this is 93, I guess, when he was there, which is around around when Wendell went bad. Uh, like, a whole, like way too many people have geoblastoma, have uh, brain cancer. And they think that it has to do with the veteran stadium field being toxic. Oof. And so it's like, well, Wendell, it could have been worse. But yeah. Was Lenny Dykstra spared because he would he killed whatever it was with all the uh, tobacco yeah. juice he would spit all over center field? That's that's a good point. Yeah, I, mean, I, told, I, I told that story a couple of weeks ago, right? I'm watching Jeremy Burnett's kill the grass in right field at Miller Park. Right. But I used right. to love they would show, like, you know, the Phillies would be at you know, and the would be at bat, and they would show the big like, hey, you could tell where Lenny usually stays. They show the outfield, just this brown stain all <laughs> over the astroturf out there. Yeah. Actually, bringing that up, uh, so on the um, the Cubs were on the Apple TV Plus broadcast this last week. They were on YouTube on uh, Wednesday, but last Friday they were on uh, Apple TV Plus. So much innovation. Yes. Um, actually, those are the only games they've lost. They don't like streaming. They like right. good old fashioned cable. T- like God intended, they need to be on cable TV. Right. Um. They they were talking about the the crew that night was Stephen Nelson, um, Cliff Cliff Floyd, and Katie Nolan. They were doing the game, and they were talking about Paven Smith. And Katie was telling the story about how Paven Smith got his name. Do you know how Paven Smith got his name? I don't. His dad is a sports agent. And among his clients are professional golfers. No kidding. And he is named after Corey Paven. Couldn't they have named him Corey? <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> so named him Paven Smith. Now, there were a couple of weird things that happened after this. The very next batter in the... Diamondbacks lineup is Dalton Varsho. Mm. 
They didn't say a word about that. Oh, Isn't the natural so thing? He's named, it's even spelled D-A-U-L-T-O-N because he's named after Darren Dalton. Right. They didn't catch on that. But then Cliff made a joke and said, well, I'm named after Don Cornelius. And they, Katie and Stephen didn't laugh and they didn't get it. I got it. I was chuckling at home and my watching it because Cliff, Cliff Floyd's name is Cornelius Clifford right. Floyd. But without either of the other people playing along, nobody knew. They couldn't ask him like, "What do you mean?" Or right, it just, just it just it. it just hung there and then right. died. So I made fun of the Cornelius part, but honestly, the Dalton part was worse. Because it's like he's the literally the next batter. He right. just told this story, right? And, and it's they, much more it's much more interesting because Corey Pavin played was a golfer, yeah. and Darren Dalton was a baseball player who was apparently killed by Veterans Stadium. That's terrible. Um, thankfully, Gary Varsho, you know, spent uh, enough time with the Cubs. Apparently, the natural grass counter uh, counteracted. Right. It's like iodine from a. Nuclear rads. I mean, there was a time for whatever reason when I was a kid, I was like obsessed with the uh, the extra outfielders the Cubs would have, who were mostly just pinch hitters, right? Like Richie Hebner. It kind of went. It went like Richie Hebner to Henry Cotto. Mm. Sec two Henry Cotto references in one podcast. <laughs> to Thad Bosley. Yep. Great to summer. Gary Varsho. That was yeah, kind of okay. the. That was kind of right. That's the progression. Yes. The lower the like Gary Woods didn't count because he was just there because somebody had to catch the fly balls late in the game because the Gary Matthews wasn't going to catch. Um, yeah, so they had to change Gary's late in games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> put it. Have we put in the other Gary yet? No, we're we're still on Gary one. Put Gary two in. I always had an affinity for Cub bums. I don't know why. Big fan of for of Domingo Ramos for some reason. Yeah. And we had one kid on our little league team who had to wear his glasses when he played. And mm-hmm. We were little. This was like we were eight and nine, and he became Tom Verizer. I'm sure he loved. He didn't know who it was. At some point, he probably got saw a baseball card and went, "Man, that guy." Yeah. That's why they call me that. It could have been worse. We could have called him Tim Foley. That's cute, though. I like that. Yeah. That is something, though. When you look back at like and. I thought of this because today somebody uh, tweeted out a, a cast photo of the original cast of Cheers mm. and put their ages on it at the time <laughs> and how much older people used to look like the great um, the great Ernie Pantuso coach. Do you know yeah. how old he was? 51. He was 58. Right. In the show, you would have thought he was like in his no. 70s. Yeah, at least 10 years older. But the best but, part yeah. was Norm and Cliff were like 34 and 35. Right. And they both looked like they were in their 50s. Yeah, especially Cliff. But yeah. but it's the same thing when you look back at old baseball players. Right. You know, like uh, Phil Garner looked like he was, you know, 45 years old, but he was 22. Yes. Well, Hannes Wagner looked like he's <laughs> one foot in the grave for crying out loud. <laughs> what are you, in your 60s? 18. No. <laughs> Why are you named Hannes? No one's named that. <laughs> That's not a name in nature. 
All right, I think I think we'll end we'll end on the uh, we should always we should always end the podcast on a on a Honus Wagner anecdote. All right, be our new thing. We get to the. Did you guys make it all the way to the Honus Wagner segment? No, we (laughs) we bail a long time before that. Bruce McNall's trading cards. I don't want to ruin the the next Honus Wagner. (laughs) Sorry, I just did. That's right, well, you, well, you enjoy you enjoy your trip. If people don't know, you're going out to DC. Say hi to say hi to Ted Cruz for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope I run into him and the lanky. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll give you a review of uh, National Stadium. It's one I have not been to. So, yeah. In fact, somebody's like, "Can you imagine if they trade Juan Soto? Somebody's going to turn, going to going to burn that stadium down." And my joke was, not if they do it after 10 o'clock and the last train is left. <laughs> right. All right. Well, um, yeah, so uh, it'll probably be a couple of weeks, and then we'll do this again. Okay. Thanks, Andy. All right. Hey, thanks. Many of us have herpes. 